the Mark Capitan Breeders' Cup Betting Challenge interview edition of the Notorious OTB on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Bet365. Bet365 is offering new users a $1,000 risk-free bet. Sign up today at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash bet365. Brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets, the sports betting research platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit hofbets.com and use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month and start making smarter bets today. We're also brought to you by GameTime. GameTime has last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Use promo code CFBX for $20 off your first purchase. Welcome, everybody, to the Notorious OTB, brought to you by the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. And folks, as always, it's all good, baby, baby. It was all a dream. I've got my Cuban link on. Yes, Cuban B. And I'm your host, Chase Sessoms, the Wolf of Oaklawn. I got ice all over my body looking like a snowman. Big rocks in the grill, dancing like a slow jam. My chain's so heavy, I'm walking like an old man. Try me, you Welcome to the show. Uh, this is going to be a fun episode. Uh, I've been having fun doing these interviews, uh, being on my my Terry Gross shit, as I like to say. Uh, I'm a Fresh Air fan, so I like to just eat a handful of mushrooms, invite these people in, ask them the questions I feel like make them tick. And uh, this one is someone I'm actually familiar with, but he had a banner-worthy performance because uh, my boy here showed out in Arcadia this past weekend with the top 20 finish in the Breeders' Cup betting challenge, uh, taking home 63K. He's currently serving as the Grand Poobah of the Fraternal Order of the Spacious Scrotum. He's survived a million strays between on the wrong lead in this show and social media and life in general. Many men wish death upon me. But after all that smoke, here he stands, one and a half escalades richer, the unburnt. We've got a lot of work to do. Someone help me. I'm still alive, only I'm very badly burned. Some of you I know, some of you I'm meeting for the first time. Okay, you've all been gathered here to form my evil cabinet. Excuse me. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, the innocent bystander himself, Mark Capitan, a.k.a. Packrat, a.k.a. at two turns on Twitter, a.k.a. a good friend of mine. Mark, welcome and congratulations, man. No, no, thank you, man. Uh, I didn't realize you could buy an Escalade that cheap. Have the, the prices gone down on Escalades? Am I am I just not with the time? No, I'm perpetually locked into 2003 pricing. Okay. Uh, the so pricing when I get with 100k these days, aren't they? Like, yeah. Well, yeah. It's, it's also Arkansas pricing. Take everything and oh. divide it by four. So this is an Arkansas Escalade, isn't that like? Yes. I mean, I could get like five or six Escalades, right? I mean, you know. Uh, an Arkansas Escalade is uh, is just a, a Ford Bronco and not one of the new uh, new cool ones. Um, so first first things first, with your windfall, I got to ask: Will you be buying a chain? 
Uh, yeah, I know. I'm going to get a Cuban link. Um, I think it's just the way to go, right? Like, I mean, that if you're going to buy a chain, you have to go Cuban link. Uh, yeah. You have to hook me up with your guy because, I mean, yours is styling. I love it. It looks, yeah. looks awesome. So you just have to hook me up with that guy. Yeah. My guy was Amazon, and I believe this chain was uh, unaffordable. You could have had it for tens of dollars, literally tens, tens of tens. tens. Of. Wow! It's nice to have Amazon as a guy, though. I will, I will say, so you're but, I could like, like fill a swimming pool up with them and like swim through them. Yes, yeah, you okay, actually. Cool. That'd be fun. That that really hurts now that you that you uh, phrase it like that. Many men wish death upon me. Uh, yeah. So, uh, all right. So are you going to go, do you know, all right. I, I've been doing a lot of chain research recently. Do you, do you know the, the millimeter that you're going to go? I, with? I, you have, know, no, I, I am not a chain expert. You'll have to, do, have to get are, a dispute here. Are you, are you a thin chain person or are you like a big uh, puffy I mean, link? It's so Cuban link. You have to have some like no, big, girth to it, right? Like it just big, doesn't look, yeah. it's not a Cuban link unless it's got some width. So you're going to want a double digit millimeter here. Okay. I'm thinking anywhere in the 14 to 15 range. Once it gets to about 12 millimeters, millimeters is when the, the, the links really kind of start to get puffy and it's really that Miami oh, style okay. Cuban okay you know cool. cuban link yeah, that you solid, want solid. and i i would recommend making it icy and maybe dropping a pendant uh on it uh i'm trying to think of what your pendant should be and i think it should be you just your face but we'll make your your beard out of the dookie brown diamonds that they sell at zales can, can, I, get a, can I get one that spins i've always wanted one that spins like one of those spinny pendants if we had your head iced out spinning like the goddamn exorcist at the bottom of your 14 millimeter uh 20 24 inch uh chain then you'll you'd be looking uh pretty sweet all right secondly let me borrow like three thousand okay move. oh there i froze what I, I didn't hear you now now i have hope i didn't hear your response uh, so <laughs> no no i think i think we got arkansas internet for a second there i think i think yeah. it was on your side so yeah uh i i don't need to know uh your response to that so that now, as your your tweet post BC modestly said, guys, I, I did a thing. Yeah. Showing up there, you know, in the vast majority player, you know, it, it shows up in the vast majority of horse players' daydreams, like other sports fans, like being randomly called off the bench to pitch in the World Series, or like randomly you're in the super the crowd at the Super Bowl, the quarterback injured, you're in. Like, this is the one of the biggest stages for what we do. Um how are you feeling post big finish uh, for the BCBC? You know, you, your head gets pretty big. Um, you know, I, I honestly, even going into the final race, I didn't think there was any way I was going to hit top 20 and uh, kind of going into this, you know, I made some goals up and that was one of my goals was to, was to be top 20. Um, you know, top 20 gets you into what they refer to as the prize pool. And I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about that in a minute, but you know, yeah, I mean, head got, head got real big, but now I'm, you know, a couple first couple days and now I'm kind of settling back and like, okay, I think the biggest thing is there's always a bit of an, an outsider syndrome with a lot of these types of tournaments. And now I'm like, okay, I guess I, I do belong. I can cap at that level. I can play at that level. I can really go into the deep end uh, of the pool, you know, with the best handicappers in the world and do some damage, um, which is a pretty cool feeling. You know, I mean, I, we, we put out a lot of content. I put my stuff out there for years and it's nice to be like, Oh, I belong. That's awesome. Yeah. You know? Well, I, I mean, it's something that I don't mind saying that we 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 your friends have known for for a long time. So it's and it's also it, it always feels like when my my friends break through, even though that I do not uh, get to share in the monetary um, 
you know, upside of it, it, it feels like I win, which by the way, let me borrow five to $10,000. Um, five to 10. That's, that's awfully specific. So Mark, can you, for the people at home who maybe haven't heard of the, the BCBC, the breeders cup betting challenge kind of set up what, what the tournament is, uh, if you're only familiar with it, with kind of the tournaments that I did last week on the show with, uh, Barry and with, uh, Sarah and Matthew, uh, it's, it's wildly different because it was live bankroll, but, uh, Mark, tell kindly tell the, the good folks about the BCBC. Yeah, BCBC is a two-day horse racing tournament. It covers the two days of the Breeders' Cup. Uh, you can bet in Breeders' Cup races or in any of the other races on those two days, with the exception of the last race on Saturday. Uh, it is, um, you know, it's a $10,000 buy-in tournament. That means you want to play, you you put forward ten grand. Uh, 2,500 of that is put into what they refer to a, as the prize pool. And that prize pool gets played out to the top 20 players. Um, and obviously, higher you finish, the, the more of that prize pool you get. The other $7,500, you get to make any win place show, exacta, trifecta, or daily double wager that you would like. Um, there's a bunch of mandatory races where you have to bet at least $600 in those races. So there's three of those on Friday and seven of those on Saturday. Um, and what you're trying to do is, you know, turn that that $7,500 into as much money as you possibly can um, versus some of the best horse players in the world. So the thing I like about live money, it's very similar to a day at the track. You show up at the track, you have a $100 budget. How do you turn that $100 budget into the most money you possibly can? Same idea, same philosophy here, just a bigger starting bankroll. And uh, you take see some people take some just absolutely crazy risk. You know, I outside of the, the, the taking crazy risks element of it, I've always found that I have my most success during the day if I'm playing like I'm playing in a live bankroll tournament. Like these are the plays I want to make. These are the ones that are on my wish list, but I have to finance by by winning. And it, it seems like my best play ROI-wise comes from when I have that sort of, uh, of strategy going in. We have all of Mark's plays uh, thanks to the, the the Breeders' Cup betting challenge. They publish all this stuff. So we're, we're actually, we're going to kind of talk through his, his two days in Arcadia. We're going to talk about the plays he made uh, and just kind of the mental space that he was in. I like to talk about this all the time, the mental space. And I believe me as someone who's getting my mental together right now, I'm someone who's uh, experiencing a small handicapping renaissance. And I think a lot of it has to do with, you have to be in the right mindset. Like you have to believe that these things are, are possible for yourself to do. Uh, but before we get into that, got to get in some words from our good friends, First off, our good friend, Bet365. We are brought to you by Bet365. Bet365 is the world's favorite sportsbook trusted by over 88 million players worldwide. We're talking props, sides, totals, live betting. Bet365 has you covered. And if you like boost, you're going to love Bet365. Do you like a 30% profit boost on your NFL same-game parlays? That's sexy. Plus, they even have an early payout offer if your team goes up by 17 points. Sign up today and choose from two bonus offers, either a $1,000 First bet safety net. I like that because it rhymes. Or bet $5, get $150 in bonus bets. Just head to sportsgamingpodcast.com slash bet365. That's sportsgamingpodcast.com slash bet365. And we are also brought to you by the good nerds at Underdog Fantasy. Underdog has a way to play alongside your fa- Favorite fantasy players all season long, NFL, NBA, NHL, college basketball, and college football. Simply pick higher or lower on your favorite players' fantasy stats and cash in. 
my favorite underdog pick them for today's show. You know what? For Sunday, it's or for Sunday in the early game, it's gonna be Garden Minshew over one and a half rush attempts, higher than one and a half rush attempts. They don't go over; they go higher or lower because they cool like that. So watch along, make your picks, and maybe make a little cash over on Underdog's mobile app or website, UnderdogFantasy.com. We sign up with promo code SGP and Underdog will double your first deposit up to one hundred dollars. It's Underdog Fantasy promo code SGP. And if you excuse me, I need to get a rehydration interlude in after those ad reads. Yo, I just bought a dinosaur like Nicolas Cage. Uh, hey, what happened? Hey, what's going on? All right. So Mark's giving us the rules. We've talked about, you know, what we're going to be looking at. We're going to start looking at his, his, uh, his plays. And I always ask my guests when I do a bankroll show or talk about a horizontal wagering sequence, do, did you have a strategy for the card or sequence as a whole? Um, I have to assume that you had a strategy for the entire weekend. Uh, what was your uh, initial plan? Like fresh off the plane before anything happened? Yeah. So I, I, you know, spent again, quite a few days handicapping. I know a lot of these horses really well. They're horses we've been watching all year and I knew how I felt about races. So a few passes, you know, quite my, my, I went through my normal handicapping process and my, my real takeaway was that my best opinions were late on the card on Saturday. And that provides you a problem that you, you have to make mandatories earlier on in the card and you're trying to raise capital to fire at those biggest plays. So how do I raise the most capital, give myself the most money to make big bets later on? Um, best bet of the entire weekend for me was Augusto Rodan in the turf. I thought he was an ice cold single in that race. So it was, how do I get as much money raised so that I can get as much money going through him with a number of different types of wagers in that one respective race? So had you been to Santa Anita slash a Breeders' Cup before? No, never been to Santa Anita, never been to a Breeders' Cup, and never been to a Breeders' Cup, um, or never played in the Breeders' Cup betting challenge. So all three were new for me. And real quick, I can't remember, did you win in or did you buy, uh, do uh, your buy-in? I, I won in, so I did not buy in. Um, I won $179 qualifier on um, horse tourneys. So, you know, you, it's really nice when you, effectively, it's a parlay. I, I paid in for $179, win a tournament to get $10,000 to try to roll into as much as I can. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I could buy in. Um, I just never have in the past. And uh, I was debating about this year. Do I buy in with cash? But I, I happened to get in and off qualifier, which was nice. I could buy in. Must be nice. By the way, let me borrow like $10,000. Okay. Uh, so you won your way in. May, may I ask, uh, how much would you say that you invested total trying to win? your way in because it still had to be a discount compared to the ten thousand yeah. dollars i played three different 179 tournaments so 500 ish you know 550 dollars something like that in uh in trying to get in so yeah a massive discount off the the 10k buy-in especially um, if we're talking you know specifically just the uh 179 tournaments and not like the smaller horse tourney tournaments that are just building bankroll for for entry fees yeah, yeah. so but with with intentionality 
179 yeah. three times. Yeah, and I, um, I the horse player attorneys that I targeted were ones covering tracks that I play well. So uh, the one that I went in on was a day that had Keeneland and Aqueduct and both had days with a lot of turf racing. Those are things that I'm strong at. Turf at Keeneland, I play very well. And, um, you know, everything at Aqueduct, I, I tend to play well. So you try to pick those tournaments, you know, not just when you have the 179 available to fire, but over cards that you feel are going to give you a good chance of getting in. Going going into Friday, into Future Stars Friday, what what would you say your mentality was like? Uh, is it I'm j- just going to have fun, and if something happens, it happens? Uh, has imposter syndrome set on in at that point? Are you confident? I, I know the times that I've won big, I've had a feeling a day before or the days before that I was about to do something kind of special. Um, w- what was that Friday like? Uh, you know, heading into it, are you puking in the in the urinal or or what? Um, I was pretty nervous. I, uh, I I got to LAX at about noon on Thursday and drove straight to the track. Um, you can get there early, pick your packet up because you get there's a lot of perks with playing on track. You get you know free entry for you and a guest, um, free food, unlimited food, unlimited beverage, uh, and you get all sorts of extra access and you know other hats and merch and all sorts of other things. So I got there on Thursday and just sort of hung out, took the vibe in, and tried to get a couple deep breaths and just kind of get a feel for the layout of the track. Imposter syndrome is a thing. You know, I've never been there before. I've never been in that scenario. I'm somebody that does get pretty nervous pretty easily. So, uh, you know, I definitely was really nervous. Um, But then I got there, got there real early on Saturday, um, hung out with some friends, or sorry, got there real early on Friday. I hung out with some friends on Friday night or Thursday night. Sorry, screwing, screwing days up. On uh, Thursday night, hung out with some friends. It's okay. I'm uh, sure it's been a whirlwind of cocaine. Been a whirlwind, but a whirlwind. The whole the whole day is all blurred together. Uh, Thursday night, I hung out with some friends, and that kind of was a nice, relaxing time. Just kind of you know people I talk with all the time, and uh, and then you know, got there on Friday, ready to play. Um, nerves set in, but you you place that first wager, and then you're like, okay, it's going. I'm gonna stick to my plan that I've set forward. I have my spots. I'm gonna take. And, uh, and then it just starts kind of going and, and the day really flies by. All right. So you, you placed your first wager and I noticed there was a, a theme with, uh, with both days and maybe you can speak to this. Uh, it looked like you skipped the first race both days yep. and then you played the second race before laying off to play the, uh, the, the BC mandatory races that you had to have to wager $600 on. Yeah. So the plan on Friday was to come into it and the, the, the Breeders cup races didn't start until race six on, um, or sorry, uh, race five on, uh, on Friday. So my plan was, I, I initially thought about not playing a single wager early, but I did end up firing a daily double because, um, one of the tools I use in my handicapping process is called HTR and it's a, it's a computer model. And HTR um, can give you what's called a variance. So the likeliness of a big price coming in. And race uh, three at Santa Anita that day, it wasn't a Breeders' Cup race, but it had a very high variance. So what I did is I tried to double into that race and try to catch one of those prices uh, in race three. Now, I failed on the first leg of the double and I didn't hit the price, but um, that was the, the initial, that daily double. So it was a $100 daily double. Um, so just, you know, a smaller wager to kind of get, you know, 
kind of get started and uh, get some of the nerves off. Um, and but that that third race was won by a big price. Jose Ortiz won on a twenty something to one horse. Now it wasn't a horse that I had in consideration, but at least I had the mindset at that point. You get a little confidence going. Okay, at least I recognized it was a high variance race, and I played the right type of structure to take advantage of that variance. Now I didn't capitalize, um, and I lit lit some money on fire. But at least uh, you know, at least my mindset was okay. Um, and then I went into, I played, uh, a double in race five and a double in race nine. And then whoa, I, had, whoa, 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 I'll, I'll, I will control the pace here. I, I am the, the inexpensive speed in front of this here pack, uh, the inexpensive velocity, uh, because you proceeded to get blanked on yes. Saturday. Yep. Friday. You put it Friday. Sorry. Uh, you put in 2200 in exacta daily double wagers. A lot of people would call this your punched in the mouth kind of moment. Uh, it's very much reality is just dong slapped you right in the face. Uh, you essentially had the choice to stick with an original plan that wasn't initially working. You could panic and flail wildly at spots and try to make it back up or in one spot or simply, you know, patiently sit, wait and grind it out. You know, what did getting blanked day one do to you? And, and you know, and did you win on Saturday because of it or despite of it? Like what, what was Friday night like for you? Uh, Friday night was rough. Uh, the imposter syndrome thing definitely sets in, you know, you're like, geez, I'm, I blanked on four wagers. I lit $2,200 on fire. Uh, didn't, didn't get anything back. Um, you know, I had these opinions late on Saturday. Maybe my opinions aren't valid. I, am I going to be out of money by the time I get to those opinions that I really like and not be able to slam them and put my best foot forward? Yeah, there, there was a lot of nerves. Um, really, yeah, it really gets into your head. Uh, you know, fr Friday night was fine. Again, had a, you know, had a, a good friend of ours, uh, our buddy writer Dave took me out and uh, kind of he took me on a we kind of went ripping around the Hollywood Hills. Is it, is it right? So you got to ride around like Laurel Canyon and shit and yeah. Ryder Dave's convertible. Isn't it ma magical riding next to him in that, that glorious silver machine of his? It was, it was super cool. Um, he, he, and it's also, he's in the, in the industry. He's in, in uh, you know, a Hollywood person. He's a writer obviously by the name. And yeah. so he was, Oh, this house has been in this movie and that house has been in this movie and giving you kind of the scenic tours. You're, you know, we were uh, quite in excess of the speed limit, ripping around some of the Canyon roads and having a blast. And honestly, that, that was for my, for my mindset, it was really good. I wasn't sitting in my hotel room worried about, Am I an idiot? Did I handicap everything wrong? Do I need to go redo everything? It was a, uh, okay, let's let it out, reset, go into tomorrow fresh. Um, you know, I know what I'm, I'm walking into budget wise. I have $5,300. You just reset and you restart. And there's so much money that can be made on a Breeders' Cup card. There's so much value there. It just was a matter of finding the value spots. Well, we will start, we will jump into the Saturday action where uh, our boy got hot, uh, I guess would be the best way to say it. Or not necessarily got hot, but put in some really smart wagers. We'll delve deep into that. We talked about finding value. You know where you can find value? On the Game Time app. The Game Time is the easiest place for you to score last minute tickets, not just for sports. We're talking comedy shows, we're talking music. All of the things that require tickets. Well, maybe not all the things. Like, you probably don't have one for, like, your kids, like, uh, school play thing. But uh, if they did, you could buy them there on game time. You can browse through, find stuff close to you. 
Forget planning months in advance. The bastard and get it on game time late. Get images from your seats to make sure that you were an efficient lazy bastard. So, snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code CFBX for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code CFBX for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And now from the goobers. I call them goobers because I called other people nerds earlier, but they're pretty nerdly too. The Hall of Fame bets, folks. We win bigger by betting smarter with Hall of Fame bets this NFL season. They are a sports betting analytics platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Research every NFL, NBA, MLB, and soccer bet with historical stats and data. Enter any parlay idea into Hall of Fame bets. Revolutionary parlay optimizer tool to get hit rates broken down by leg as well as an expected probability for the entire play. Sort out all players by hit rate. For any bet to learn which players are hot and which picks have value. Stop betting in the dark. Join over 30,000 users researching with Hall of Fame bets to craft more intelligent, data-driven parlays. Download the Hall of Fame bets app or visit hofbets.com and use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month today. Start researching, start winning with Hall of Fame bets. Okay, uh, we back with Mark Capitan. Uh, if you're just catching up, why it's a fucking podcast start at the beginning just hit that back button a bunch of times or do the the swipe um so saturday you do the same thing you play race two i'm going to give you my theory as to why i thought you played race two each day and that was you wanted to watch the first race see if you could come up with a bias that maybe no one else had jumped on yet and see if you could catch something that that everyone else wasn't hip to. Because it wasn't like you were getting a bunch of maiden races in the first. Like, you had stakes-quality horses running. Did did any of that factor into it? It it did to some degree. Um, I did want to see how the track was playing and see if there was any any noted bias. Um, Now, the first race on Saturday had an extremely short-priced favorite um, who was went off at, like, two to five. It was a horse that... Um, had never actually run on dirt, had done all of its winning on synthetic and turf, and the horse ended up not winning uh, in that in that race. Uh, it was I can't remember the horse's name right now, but Callisto or something something like that. But he ended up going off like two to five and not winning. So uh, that was one. You know, I, I sort of sat back and watched. I was trying to get my money live to where I had the best opinions. So more of what the race two thing was there. Uh, I race two was a down the hill race. And then the race three was the Cody's wish race. So I was trying to get live into that Cody's wish race where I had a pretty darn good opinion. Not that it was hard to figure out that Cody's wish is the best horse in that race. Um, but I thought it was, uh, you know, so I was trying to get live into that race and I screwed up the, uh, the race two double. So whiffed on that double as well. Well, let's, let's talk about the Cody's wish race. Cause in race Saturday, in that race Saturday, the breeders cup, you know, dirt mile, the big ass fans, uh, you, you finally put in your first winning bet and that's that daily double through Cody's wish. It's a $300 play nine fifteen for that $150 daily double. Uh, I got to ask though, and this is the only second guessing I'm going to do only second guessing I'm going to do. Why not just single Cody, man? Why not? Just well, single Cody? yeah. So I have a- no, I Mark, I have no idea how that horse went off at that price. Cause I swear that I was the only horse player in the horse player universe that actually liked Cody's wish to still win that race. Uh, so I loved Cody's wish in that spot. I thought he was very, very, very tough in that spot. When I handicapped the race, I only wrote down Cody's wish. You talk about those, that, that Friday mentality getting to you on Saturday. Um, I hadn't cashed a wager at that point. 
And I have been a very known Charge It fan for a very, 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 very long time. He's what he's been a cool horse. I've always liked him. I am I'm the world's biggest Charge It fan and the world's biggest Charge It apologist. So if Charge It somehow wins that race and I don't have coverage to him, I knew mentally it was just going to make me explode. I, I would be I would be just a pile of mush. So I use two horses and I use them equally. That double is a stupid structure. Um, it was $150 double, three, five over six, nine there. Um, what it should have been is something like a $300 three over six, nine, and then a much smaller charge at maybe $50, um, five over six, nine. But it was one of those, just my confidence was a little lagging and um, I, I, you know, I just, I just needed to win. And if charge it won that race, I would be, I just would have been terrible. So I, uh, it was a pretty hedgy play, not a smart play. That was a spot that I definitely could have pressed a lot harder. And looking back, that was one of the mistakes that I definitely did make on Saturday. See, that's a, I, I'm really actually really glad that you went into that because I, I do feel like. Like I wanted to give you shit for that, but actually now hearing your your reasoning for it, like that's really good reasoning. Like you're you're there to win. Like you haven't hit anything yet. Why are you going to? If your opinion's been dog shit, why at, up to this point? Why why go with the single? So I, what what's it feel like after cashing that that first? Ladies, <laughs> my Mercedes. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, honestly, the nine hundred dollars didn't do a lot to stop the bleeding. Um, I, that's what I was wondering. Like, it was such yeah. a small, yeah, small amount in comparison to to the yeah. scale that everything. Yeah, was and also like, that nine fifteen is just profit on that wager. Um, it was a six hundred dollar wager, so it did make a mando. But you know, yeah, you you make uh, you know, to return what fifteen fifteen. Um, so th there was definitely that. Oh, but it, where it was really good is I suddenly went, okay, I've cashed a wager. I'm not an idiot. Um, now I can really let's get this thing rolling. Let's let let's let's get let's get going from here. And I knew my best opinions were in front of me. I kind of had the mindset of okay, you've stopped the bleeding now, so now you can start moving forward again. So you know, even though it was a little one, um, you know, I, I I make a lot of analogies to poker playing, and they'll oftentimes talk about poker players who will you win that first hand in a session, and then your mindset, your mentality really changes. It, it was the same thing here. It wasn't a big one, but it definitely did change my mindset. It, it's like be uh, the quarterback who needs to get hit before he feels like he's actually yeah. in the game. Now, one time when I was less than a week off of having a pretty uh, major back surgery and having my lower back fused and very much on drugs, I gave you a trifecta with Vina Rosso on top and the, the Breeders' Cup Classic that you made over uh, a G on, which I, at this point, if you just give me $1,000, we're even. Um, so it's become, it's become a tradition for me to come up with, uh, to get, uh, a, a, let's just say in a real spiritual place, like definitely vibrating at a different frequency and to give you a trifecta. Uh, I see my try was the only try you played this weekend. Uh, let's talk about your bet selection. Uh, and also how much do you hate me after giving you a losing trifecta that you played for $600? <laughs> Um, it was a $25 base trifecta, which is the, but I've never played a trifecta with that kind of a base before period. Um, I have, but it's super skinny. And it was the race that, um, Taraz won on the Kentucky Oaks trail trail before she was unfortunately had to be put down where she was like miles ahead. I went like, it was a 40, like $50 play, like Taraz over two horses sort of yeah. things. Like definitely didn't get into the $600 range. 
Yeah, mindset in that race was I had three races on the card uh, that I did not like the races. And the actual Philly and Mare sprint was one of those races. That's the Goodnight Olive race. Um, and so I reached out to you saying, hey, I don't want to play a double here because I don't want to miss the first leg and then be right in the second leg and wasting those opinions. So my mentality was something like a trifecta or an exacta would be the perfect play. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'm out $600. But that play that we put on, um, I moved Goodnight Olive out of, out of first. We put Goodnight Olive in second and third where she could win second or third. We had a couple prices, the four and the five, who are the two horses that would have needed to win. Um, what both, I think the five went off at like 15 to one. And I think the four was like, you know, six or eight to one. That's a trifecta that for a dollar could have easily paid three or $400. So I am completely fine with that wager because the risk reward there was massive. If, uh, you know, Goodnight Olive doesn't fire her race. And if she, she's had some trouble being inside horses before, if she doesn't bring her a game and, you know, or a pay stool develops, which I think a lot of us thought looking at that race on paper could happen there and it comes apart, it might set up where that try hits and pays, you know, I'm looking at that saying, yeah, it's a $600 risk, but that easily could have returned 10, 12, $15,000 pretty yep. easily. I'm from a risk reward standpoint, I am completely fine with that play. I think it was, it was a smart one. And thank you for helping me kind of think through that play and structure. I'm not somebody that plays a ton of trifectas and it's nice to have a friend who you can go, Hey, here are my opinions. I know what your opinions are. How do we come to, you know, how do I structure a ticket here? How do I structure a play? I am elite at coming up with, uh, ways to flush $600 down the toilet and also the logic behind the flushing, why you want to flush that $600 down, down the toilet. Uh, now in race seven, uh, is, is where you start to do some, some van damage, just go full muscles from Brussels on the, on these bitches in the BCBC you make, which at that point was the largest wager of your weekend, a daily double using idiomatic and randomized, Singled into August Rodin, the cash is for, for 10K. And yeah. you, I mean, like you said, uh, August Rodin was your biggest opinion of the week. So it makes sense that you put your largest uh, bet into it now. But you also, it looks like you tried to catch August Rodin coming and going. So you had yeah. what what would have been like, I guess, a bona fide single for you in like a pick five, such, uh, pick five, pick three, any, any longer thing like that. And so basically since you couldn't play it, you made your own pick three out of the, out of the daily doubles. Exactly what I did. Exactly what I did. Um, that was the mentality going into it. And again, looking back, probably not the smartest mentality. Um, I had a really good opinion in the August Rodan race, and I had a really good opinion in, uh, in the race prior. So I should have slammed that opinion a little harder. So that $10,500, I should double you're talking about, which is a huge score for most people. I'm looking at it back and saying, I should have hit that harder. Um, and the other thing that I would say is I didn't have any straight win money on Augusta Dan, but I had four grand sitting in my bank account of dry powder that I could have deployed there. So, right. so I sit here and go, I probably didn't play my best opinions the best. I had actually written a note down that I wanted to be all into to Augusta Rodin. That was my mentality. And I didn't execute. And the reason I didn't was, yes, um, you see that, that $10,500 play is rearward biased. It hadn't happened yet in that race. So I needed Augusta Rodin to have that score or else I'm sitting with four grand left and... Um, you know, only four more races that are Breeders' Cup races to try to run it up. 
So I and so instead of going all in where I said I was going to, I kind of sat with the money in the bank account. And looking back, that was a big mistake. I should have put a every penny I had in my bank account as a win bet on August Rodin. Then all of a sudden, when we go into the next races, I would have had more more money to deploy. Um, and I tried to double out, and you'll actually see that that. Um, yes, it is a $250 double with August Rodin on top and then three horses in the classic. I threw White Abario out in the classic. I did not play into White Abario and I played into three prices that I thought had a chance of winning. Um, that probably wasn't the smartest play because of the three, I mentioned there were three races I did not have a strong opinion on. Uh, the, those races were the Philly and Mare Sprint the turf mile and the classic those are the ones i didn't feel like i had a solid opinion so i played two plays into a race and burnt a lot of money that i could have used that money other places that i had better opinions so i'm not as happy as i would like to be with how i played around the classic now let's let's talk about the classic specifically because what i thought was actually really interesting here was uh so this was your like you mentioned uh your you know, your largest total wager on, on any race, you tied that amount in this race with an exact box, which you missed, which, Hey, no, that that's not a knock. Uh, I was on Ushba Tesoro. I wasn't anywhere near Same. white barrio. I kind of should have figured that Rick, if, if anyone who could do, could do it, it's the guy who just came off of a 10 year, ex, you know, suspension for, for big Brown and industrialized uh, PED cheating pretty much industrialized. I do not joke. Um, but I thought the exacta boxes were really interesting. Do you think there was a happy medium between how you typically play, which, like we said, is longer sequences, horizontal wagers, multi-ticket, ABC strategy, and the rules of the tournament barring those wagers? Like, I know you'll play exactas, you'll structure out exactas, but now when we're talking twelve hundred dollars, uh, chips are on the table. You opt for the box. Yeah, I went. I went with a box there, and the reason for the box in that spot was um, I thought. I'm throwing away the short priced favorite nowhere in the exacto. And therefore uh, you're creating value because I had, you know, I used the six and the eight and the 10 in an exacto box. Um, the shortest price there went off at four to one, the longest price, I think the 10 went off at you know, 15 to one kind of range. So that's a, that's an exacto that has a lot of upside potential. Um, I'm I, the, the exacta I'm fine with. I could have played the exacta for a smaller amount just to get the min bet out of the way. The one that I, I look back on and I'm a little frustrated about is I played a daily double into the next race. Um, so I played in the reason was I was looking, obviously we're looking at probables and I'm looking at will pays into the five and the seven in race 10 and going, Oh my God, there are there. These are massive will plays. So instead of leveraging where I had the best opinions, I was leveraging where I thought I could get a big score that's not a great mindset to be in. So, you know, I do beat myself up. I probably should have played one of those two wagers and not both of them. So you whiff in the classic, you're still up. Yep. In the turf sprint after the classic though, you get super cereal. <laughs> you have to our, a daily to our boy, no balls. Yeah. Uh, a daily double using live the dream and no balls ending in elite power and gunite. Uh, you obviously get no balls. It's the second longest price of the entire weekend. Were you always on no balls? No balls was my top choice. If you actually watch the on Laurent lead stream uh, that we did Friday night, you're going to see that uh, I, I say that right on stream. He was my best opinion in that race. Um, 
he got disrespected at the window because uh, because of the connections. You know, did, Grotto, did you see uh, the conversation I had with Andrew Champagne leading yeah. up to this? This the fucking disrespect. The, the disrespect. disrespect. Yeah. You have a you have a trainer who's never won a G one. Now it's Larry Ravelli. He wins tons of races, but predominantly in the climbing ranks. Yeah. And then you have um, a jockey who I think that was Corrales's first Breeders' Cup mount. Um, there's a, and you you worry about you know is that jock going to be able to perform on the big stage? Um, the European horse, the five who did the same exact thing in the race at the Breeders' Cup that he did at Keeneland, where he went out in stupid fractions on the front end and stopped after about four furlongs. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, in Corrales with what I would say is probably one of the prettiest rides I've ever seen in the Breeders' Cup. You know, he had a horse that had never come from off the pace, knew he couldn't go with a five, sat a pocket trip and made just a beautiful move up the rail um, and was absolutely perfectly timed. So, um, yeah, I was I was a huge No Balls fan going into that race. I thought if you looked at speed figures, he fit in his run style given Santa Anita. Santa Anita's sprints are always run off the front end, especially going five. Uh, so I thought he was just a massive player there, and I loved him in that spot. And you absolutely tattooed it. Your $250 exact brings back $41,000. Uh, it was, it was actually a thousand dollar double is. Your, oh, it, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It was a thousand dollar double into the next one that returned 41 two. Yeah. Okay. So you hit it a thousand dollar double with a 12 to starting with a 12 to one. And by the way, the correct answer to your last, the last question of were you always on no balls was no, I listened to your show a lot last weekend and I really <laughs> just blindly followed you and bet no balls at one. 2003 escalates worth of money but that thanks for that mark um no it's uh that's I, I, I will say chase i did um you know obviously i'm somebody that consumes a lot of horse racing content i uh downloaded all of your podcasts about the breeders cup and listened to them on the airplane flight out to california so uh i did i did listen to your stuff and, and i will say it is very nice when you have somebody who i respect who is making, saying the same, thinking the same things that I was. If you look at how you handicapped Saturday versus how I handicapped Saturday, we had basically the same horses. We used very similar horses. There wasn't a big difference. And that does add to the confidence level. See, the difference was I was firing with win bets uh, when I should have been firing win place bets, uh, not playing like day, daily doubles and stuff. Yeah. But also I was against a bunch of favorites. Uh, we had value. I had Valiant Force and Mountain Bear both, lose by like i'm gonna say a cumulative neck uh in in their races at 22 and 23 to 1 respectively so but it's also i wasn't playing with the ten thousand dollar bankroll and and trying to uh reach immortality which i'm gonna put 16 16th gets you immortality in my yeah. book eh, uh, something i, w- I will oh. say oh, as you're talking through this and, I, and maybe where you're going now um, this is sort of where that previous not betting that win bet on Augusta Rodan comes back to haunt me because I, again, was sitting there and wanted to make sure I had enough money in my bank account to make a late play. Um, if I had bet Augusta Rodan, I have a lot more money sitting, a lot more dry powder, and I could have made that double a lot bigger or made the following race exacta much bigger. So it's one of those things, you know, prior things lead to you playing so future things in a certain way. Here's the deal. Here's this is at least why I wouldn't have put down a four thousand dollar win bet on August Rodan, mm-hmm. is because uh, the idea of placing a four thousand dollar win bet would have caused my ass to pucker up so tight that it would have inhaled the upholstery for the seat 
and I would have been glued essentially where I was or have been trying to drag a chair across the BCBC with my ass. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my theory personally, but I'm sure you probably had different reasoning. Yeah. If you want to see a real pucker factor thing, um, a good friend of mine who's a Saratoga regular, he's a full-time player uh, and he finished second in the BCBC named Kevin, uh, there was two BCBC areas where you could watch, watch races. He was in a different one. So I would walk back and forth and, you know, I had my players in my playbook and I knew what I wanted, what I, where I wanted. And I walked up to him about 10 minutes to post for that August Rodin, um, you know, race. He walks up to the Muto kiosk, swipes his BCBC card, puts $10,000 to win, and then hits repeat, repeat, repeat. He had $43,000 to win on August Rodin. And he's the guy who finished second. So, when you get in these big tournaments, people are firing just some massive plays and playing, you know, with absolute complete disregard for money. And it's, uh, it's, a, it's, it's awesome. I got to ask. So during the Breeders' Cup, we're used to long wait times between posts. What was the pace? What was the, the, the post time wait between the no balls race and the dirt sprint like for you? Cause I feel, I mean, looking at your plays, you keyed in on the eight and nine in the daily double, you played an eight, nine exact box. You seemed very confident that you were going to get the second half of that daily mm-hmm. double. I was on speedboat beach, like a speedboat yeah. bitch, but you know, uh, it, 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 it worked out for you, which I'm very glad to say, cause I would have just won a mythical tournament with fucking Sarah and Matt. Like who cares about that shit? Uh, how, what what was that what was that weight like were you trying not to you know buy that cuban link in your head before you actually made the money yeah it was a little interesting um so the there had been a problem all day with the leaderboard not updating quickly enough so i was looking at where i was on the leaderboard um so at the end of day 1 i was in there was like 470 entrants in the tournament end of day 1 i meant like 380th place or something i was way way out the back um, and I had worked my way up. So I was in like, I think like 80th place roughly. Uh, so I was, you know, in an okay spot and you're doing the math. I know exactly if the eight comes in, I, I get 41, two out of that double. If the nine one, I got $96,000. So I'm sitting there doing the math of, of, okay, if I win that much, where do I end up on the leaderboard? So my thought was if the eight won, I didn't think I would make top 20 because there would be people in front of me who are going to be making big wagers, probably similar to mine. Um, so, you know, I was like, okay, I need the eight or the nine for a massive score here. Um, and I didn't think I could make the, you know, make the prize pool. Um, little nervous, but again, I, I was floating around with friends, chatting away. Um, you know, BCBC contestants or contestants were pretty, pretty nervous. And the room is a little bit, you can kind of feel the nervousness, but I was actually, I was okay because um, I was in a spot where what happens happens. My wagers are in, I can't change them now. Do you remember how many people were in the tournament itself this year? I don't know total numbers. I think it was 470 entries, but a lot of people dual enter. They'll buy in with two bullets. So uh, with, with total entries, you finished in the top 3.4%. Yeah. That's insane. Congratulations, Mark. I'm so fucking proud of you, dude. Like, I, I'm going to take a minute just to to gush on one of my – well, that sounds terrible. I'm going to take a, a minute to compliment uh, one of my just oldest friends in Horse Lake racing who despite all the strays that he catches uh might be one of the sweetest human beings that, that you'll ever meet 
and so I cannot think of just a better person to to go out west and have the success. I'm so proud of you, dude. So fucking no. proud. Thank you, man. I, I appreciate it. It was, uh, you know, again, I, I look back very critically on how I played certain things, but the next time I won't make those same mistakes. You know, I, I learned a lot, um, had a f such a fun time going to a Breeders' Cup. If you've never been, you have to go. It's absolutely amazing. Um, and also, you know, when you're playing a big money tournament, it just makes it that much better. It was nice. I actually knew a bunch of people in the tournament, met a bunch of people who I talked with, learned a lot about how some of those big money players are thinking. Um, and again, another thing we never mentioned is at the end of day one, the leader had 65 K. Um, and you're, so when you're sitting there and saying, geez, I'm going to tomorrow with 5k and the leaders are at 60 K, you know, there's these big gaps. There's a certain mentality you have to have of, okay, I'm smart. I know how to handicap. I can make this, make this up. I can get there, you know? Yeah. Well, give me just quickly the one biggest takeaway from this. One biggest takeaway is, you know, and we harp on this all the time on our on the wrong lead comment content, and that is slam your best opinions. And, you know, when I look at myself, I didn't. August Rodin was my best opinion, and I didn't slam August Rodin hard enough. Now, that may be a little bit hindsight's 2020 or being results orientated, but that was my best opinion on the weekend, and I should have had more going there. So I, I think it's really stick to your guns, slam your opinions. Um, and you know, and I think also that comes to your regular people who, you know, who listen to your show, who walk into the track and have a hundred dollar betting budget. And instead of playing, you know, $6 exact as every box, every day or every race, find that one spot. You have a really good opinion and slam it 90% of your bankroll going through it. And the other rest of it, you can play around with. So, and then also last question real quick, uh, outside of your Cuban link chain, what do, how are you treating yourself, man? Um, yeah, uh, I'm planning out a ski vacation. That's going to be some of the cash that I, that I earned. I Good paid out, I uh, paid out the remainder of my college debt. Believe it or not, I still Ooh, have big so, day. Uh, yeah. yeah. College debt free at this point. Um, I set aside some cash. I, I maxed out my 401k for the year, maxed out my Roth IRA for the year, did the smart things you're supposed to do, um, and set a little side cash aside. So if I can buy in next year, if I can't get in off a qualifier, I'll try to qualify obviously. Cause it's a, uh, it's fun to try to qualify and it, it, you know, I playing in a tournament's very enjoyable for me, but, uh, yeah, if I, if I don't get in, I will 100% be there for next year, uh, at Del Mar. If I win, I the stories I tell with him and things like a promoter said he'd give me five k for the appearance. So I said bullshit. You'll give me that giraffe. Um, <laughs> that's gonna do it for us for this week here on the Notorious OTV. Mark, thank you for dropping by. This has been a great, great interview. And man, thanks again for uh, being a good guy and for for winning. So I had something to talk about uh, today. Uh, you want to shout out uh, what you got going on with wrong, on the wrong lead before we get out of here? Yeah, we, uh, you know, pay attention to it. We'll be, uh, it's wrong underscore lead on, uh, on the Twitterverse. Uh, we're also wrong lead or, uh, it's on the wrong lead on YouTube. Uh, we put out a lot of beginner friendly content. We try to do not quite every weekly st week streams, but if there's a big event coming up, we'll have a Thursday evening stream and it's, uh, like, you know, hop in a, a big OTB, you know, throw opinions around. We're going to have our plays and, uh, we, we try to pay attention to everybody in chat and you know, make sure everybody feels involved. So, uh, those are the two big the big places you can find me and obviously i'm two underscore turns on twitter feel free to ping me with any questions or anything uh, you have about the bcbc or or even the breeders cup and try to my best to answer them listen this is a top 3.4 percent bcbc 
finisher offering his fucking advice for free. Just the sweetest human being. We'll catch you next week on the Notorious OTV, brought to you by the Sports Gambling Podcast Network.